Father, thank you that we can be still and know that you are God. Would you show us what kind of God you are this morning? Would you elevate our conceptions of you? Would you lead us to fall more deeply in love with you? Would you touch our hearts afresh, I pray, through the power of your Holy Spirit? Thank you for this chance to come together. We ask that your Spirit would find open ears and open hearts. You'd speak to me, Father, that I'd walk out of here a different person than I walked in. May your word transform us, I pray. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. What is it that makes you excited about this time of year? You know, as a child, I remember it was, it, was gonna, it was about going to visit my grandparents. And it was about going to, to, to see that my grandma would have cookies for us, she would have. But the most important part was underneath that Christmas tree was a pile of gifts. And she would have asked us what we wanted for Christmas. And, and I could not wait. I remember that my cousin and I, we would sleep in the living room and The night before Christmas came, we were going to open our presents. We just could not sleep. Have you ever been there before? So excited about what's coming. We would try to count sheep. And we would would try to tell stories. We'd try to come up with everything possible. but, But we just couldn't fall asleep because we were so excited about the gifts that were under that tree. Have you ever been that excited about a present before? There's something special about children. Do you know somebody that's a really good giver? Somebody that, that knows how to give good gifts? Maybe there's somebody in your family, maybe a neighbor, maybe, maybe somebody who, some of you are really good givers. Some of you, I have witnessed your giving of gifts that is an incredible blessing. But today I want to introduce you to the greatest of all givers. In fact, I think you hopefully have already met him. But open with me in your Bibles to James chapter 1. In James chapter 1, we find... The fact of the one who ever lives to give. James chapter 1 and verse 17 says this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Do you get that? It says that that every good gift, every perfect gift, everything that comes, it comes from who? God, he is the preeminent giver. He is the first one who who gave, and he is the one who is continually giving. And notice that last part. It says there's no shadow or turning, that, that he is all light, meaning he doesn't change. He's always giving. You think that's true? Is it true that God is always giving? Well, let's go back to think about when creation happened. What were some of the things that God gave at creation? God gave light. What else did he give? He gave air. He gave birds. He gave the sea. He gave us this beautiful planet, and he saw everything that it was very good. And do you remember what he told Adam and Eve? He, he'd made this garden for them. He placed them in the garden, and then he said, I give you all of these trees for you to eat the fruit of these trees. It's all for you to enjoy. This is all a gift for you. You know, one of the, the royal gifts, the, the biggest gifts in the ancient Near East was to give somebody a garden. And God gave Adam and Eve this garden named pleasure. That's what Eden means. 
And he gives them this gift and he says, here, enjoy all of it. And then he gave them dominion over the planet. He gave them rulership. They were to be the king and queen of this planet, for lack of a better word. They were to rule over and care for this planet. But what happened? What happened was there was a deceiver who came into that garden and he wanted for them to think that God was not a giver. That God didn't always give good gifts. That in fact, sometimes God withholds something that actually might be for our good. And that serpent in the tree, he convinced Eve that that God doesn't want for you to become like him. And he's actually holding something back from you. And so you find that the very first sin, we talked about how sin... uh, results from anything that is not from faith, not trusting God. Sin resulted from this change of attitude, but the first action of sin that took place in the Garden of of Eden was in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. Notice what Eve does. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and that it was desirable to make one wise, she what? She took. Is she giving? No, she's taking. Is that hers to take? Is this a gift from God? She is taking something from God. She says, God has held something back from me, and she's taking. Sin at its heart is selfishness, which means that we are trying to take what is not ours. Think about all of the Ten Commandments, right? So murder, obviously, I'm taking somebody's life. That's not mine to take. Adultery, I'm taking somebody else's wife. That's not mine to take. Again and again, you recognize that sin is selfishness. It's a grasping after something in a way that is not right for us to have. And so Eve reached out and she took the fruit. So how does God respond how does God respond when, when selfishness comes to this beautiful planet that he's created and, and it's, it's this beautiful place that he's given them so much and now they've believed the lie that he's not a giver and they've begun to take. And how does God respond? Well, he comes to the garden and you see the, the result in the heart of Adam and Eve. What happens to Adam and Eve in the garden? Where are they when God comes walking in the garden? They're running. They're hiding. They're hiding behind bushes from him because they're now afraid of God as he comes to that garden. And look at what Isaiah 59 verse 2 says about sin. It says, but your iniquities or your sins have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you. Now notice that the the active agent in this, is it God who's making the separation take place? No, it says it's your iniquities, your sins that have made the separation from your God. And it's your sins that have hidden his face from you. So now now you can't see what is on his face. You don't recognize what he's like in character. You don't realize that he's a giver. And that he's a giver of every good gift. Sin is the problem because it separates us from God. It's a, it's a horrible disease on this planet that's resulted in all the chaos that we see on this planet, and it's created a separation between us and God. And that's what we see with Adam and Eve hiding behind the bush, running from God. But, but God came into the garden to give them a promise that he was going to take away the separation. Genesis 3.15, Jesus, God came and he said to the serpent, and he's speaking to the serpent who deceived Eve, 
I will put enmity between you and the woman. You cause her to buy into that lie that I am not a giver, that I am not good in character. But I'm going to come and I'm going to put enmity between you and the serpent. I'm going to create a separation between you two and between your seed and her seed. And it goes on to say that, uh, go on to say basically how that will happen. The seed will crush the serpent's head, but the serpent would wound the seed's heel. So if you fast forward and you come to Matthew chapter 1, and you come to this realization that we were stuck in sin. Sin has separated us from God. How is that gap to be bridged? Matthew tells us in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23, quoting actually from the Old Testament, it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated what? God with us. Okay, so there's a, a gap between humanity and God. Who bridges the gap? Is it humanity who, who figures out the right ways, the right steps in order to get back to God? Humanity is separated by their actions, by their sins from God. And it is God who bridges the gap by becoming Emmanuel, God with us. Proving that God is good, that he is a giver. John 3.16 gives us this idea that the gospel is encapsulated in the simple idea of giving. John chapter 3 and verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his only begotten son. And what, what produced his willingness to give? Why was it that he gave? He loved you. He loved you. He loved how many? The whole world. He loved the world so much that he gave. And, you know, if you look at our planet, you, you can't blame God. It's a, it's a pretty beautiful planet. I haven't seen any others that look quite like it. It's, it's really beautiful, isn't it? But here's the thing. As you move a little bit further away, you begin to think, well, God, really? You're going to give to that planet? And besides, think about the, the chaos on that planet. Think about all that's going on on that planet. You're going to give to that planet? And then you get a little bit further away, and suddenly... This is actually taken by the Voyager, this famous picture that Carl Sagan talked about where there was a picture of planet Earth taken, and you can see it just right there. It's a little dot, a little speck of dust suspended in a sunbeam. Here's a little bit closer up for you. Can you see planet Earth? Can you see where you are on it? I'll give you a second. You know, just look a little bit closer. You see yourself? That, that's you right there. Everybody's lived out their entire life on that planet. All, all of your stresses and worries, are, they're all contained on that little planet. That's all you know. That's, that's home. That's earth. And God looked at that tiny little speck of dust and he said, I'm not willing to stay separated from them. They have separated from me by their sin. And so my response I'm going to give my son to that little planet. It's an incredible, incredible reality that we celebrate this time of year as we think about what it means, what we celebrate when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. You see, love results in giving. For God so loved the world that he gave. Now, this is, this is a really powerful concept to know that, that if I come to love, I will come to give like God gives. 
Here's another verse that's this very common gospel verse. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. What brings death? Sin, right? We've got to get that straight in our minds. Sin is the culprit. Sin is the bad thing. Sin is what we want to stay away from, not God. The wages of sin is death. But the what? The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. How does God solve the sin problem? By giving. It's not a, I, I need to hear somebody say hallelujah or something. I mean, I just need to know you're awake. At least just, God solves our selfishness by giving. Do you know how hard that is? Think about it in your life. Have you had people that take from you? You know the people that you're like, they just, they're just, every time I'm around them, it's like they're sucking the life out of me. They, they need my time. They need my money. They need, or there's the people that are, are taking away from your reputation by the things that they're saying about you. There's the people that take from you in a myriad of different ways. To respond with giving is a very difficult thing. But that's what God does to this one planet that is chosen to take. His way of solving that is to give. To give and to give and to give. And who does God give to? Think about this. Maybe it's to the saintly. It's to, to those people that, that walk the perfect walk. Romans chapter 5, which goes on to describe the transgression and the gift. It compares Adam's transgression and Jesus' gift to us. It says this in, in, in the preamble to that. Verse 6, those who are without strength. When we were still without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. Right, so for those who are without strength, those who are powerless, those who don't have what it takes, that's who God gives to. And the ones who are ungodly, Paul says, is the one that God gives to. But not only that, in verse 8 it says, and those who are still sinners, while we were still in our sins, God demonstrated his own love by sending his son for us. Not only that, verse 10 goes on to say, that while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the gift of his son. So those who are without strength, those who are powerless, those who are ungodly, those who are sinners, those who are his enemies, God solves these types of problems, which are really big problems. He solves by giving, giving himself. He solves our selfishness, not by withholding and pulling and taking back from us, but by giving and giving and giving and giving some more. <laughs> Look at what Jesus says in John 10, verse 18. He says, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. Think about what took place for Jesus as he went to the cross. They were taking so much from him. It even says they, they plucked the hairs from his beard. They were spitting on him. They, they were taking his reputation away from him. They, he was being held up to be a criminal, falsely accused. They're, they're taking and taking and taking. They even strip his clothes from him. They're taking from Jesus. But as they continue to take and to take and to take, he gives and he gives and he gives. And they can't take his life from him. <laughs> he willingly gives it for the ones who are Nailing him to the cross. What an amazing God. He gives. And that is how he changes the entire great controversy by never stopping his gifts and his giving to those who are totally unworthy. 
And so we come to that verse, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. Notice in the context of this how great a giver God is. It says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. To that tiny little speck of a planet, God has given his son. Not just just given for that, that three and a half years that he walked on this planet. He has forever united divinity with humanity. Sin created a separation between us and God. That is no longer a reality for the human family because we are united with God in Christ because Christ was fully God and he is also fully human. This is an incredible reality to know that that God has given to us himself. We chose to separate ourselves. God chose to bridge the gap to come back to us, to chase us, and to pursue us and to become God with us on that tiny little speck of a planet. And then it goes on to say this, and the government will be upon his shoulders. That first dominion that was given to Adam and Eve to rule over this planet, that dominion is going to, has been given back and over to Christ. And now a human being, again, has the authority on this planet. But it gets far better than that. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. It's so personal. Wonderful counselor. He's, he's there for you in the deep, in, in whatever you're going through. And it's also so powerful. Jesus is mighty God. We can't downplay what Jesus is like. He is the mighty God. And not only that, but he is the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. He's absolutely everything that you and I need. Verse 7 goes on to say, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Finally, a government that we can trust. Finally, a government that will bring peace to this hurting planet. Finally, a government that we can be excited to be a part of. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. Finally, a just judge, a government. Finally, a, a, a government that treats everyone the way that they need to be treated. This is the reality that we find in God with us, the child who's been given to this planet. Notice what it says in Desire of Ages, page 25. It says, God gave him, the Father gave him not only to bear our sins and to die as our sacrifice, he gave him to the fallen race. Jesus is God in human flesh forever. That'll never change. That gift has been given to you and it will never go away. To assure us of his immutable counsel of peace, his unchangeable counsel of peace, God has given his only begotten son to become one of the human family forever to retain his human nature. I mean, this is mind-blowing. I know that we, we, we're familiar with the idea that Jesus is fully human and fully God, but, but the reality of what God is doing here is a mystery that we cannot begin to fathom, but the more that we do look at it, it changes us. This is the pledge that God will fulfill his word. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. God has adopted human nature in the person of his son and has carried the same into the highest heaven. You see, it gets better than just that, that God has restored human dominion on this planet, that we again are, are granted what we originally were purposed for. But God has done something even better for you in Christ. Notice what Philippians 2 goes on to describe. Now, Philippians 2 has, has just described how we are to have the mind of Christ. The mind that, that didn't, that emptied itself 
and took on the form of a servant, even, it goes on to say, even like humanity. It took on human flesh and emptied itself to the point even of obedience to the point of death on the cross. That, that stepping down from the throne, that, that giving and giving and giving and giving, the result of that, Paul goes on to describe here, the result of going down and of giving is finally setting up that government of peace. It says, therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those in heaven and on those on earth and of those under the earth. There's a human being on the throne of the universe, and and not just for us to worship here on the planet, but angels will worship a human being throughout eternity, who's also fully God. Don't don't diminish that whatsoever, but there's a human being on the throne of the universe, and every knee will bow of those in heaven, and also those on earth, but also those under the earth. Those who are the lost will in the end confess that he is just, that he is right, and will worship him. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to give. That's the only way that Jesus ever operates. That's the only way that God operates. He's a giver of good gifts and there is no shifting shadow with him. He only gives. Revelation 22, verse 12 says, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. When Jesus comes back, he's going to give both to the righteous and to the unrighteous. He is not taking anything from anyone. Instead, he will give them exactly what they have chosen, exactly what they would want, exactly what not to diminish at all what the lost will experience. It's going to be horrific, hell will be. But it will be better for them than if they were to exist in God's unselfish presence because they have chosen to become takers. They've chosen to become selfish. And they've chosen a system that simply cannot exist in God's presence without, uh, at all. This tiny little planet, Revelation goes on to describe... This tiny little planet will become the place where Jesus sets up the, the throne of the universe, where angels come to receive their instructions, where, where the planet's uh, other inhabited worlds, like Hebrews chapter 11 tells us, they all come to worship on this tiny little speck of a planet that rebelled against God. God chose to give and to give and to give to that planet so much so that this planet will become a new planet where God reigns throughout eternity. For some reason, you don't look excited about that. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I, I'm going to be excited about that because I, this is who God is, that, that those who take, he gives to them until the very end and he simply will not stop giving. And so we're... Invited to do the same. Jesus, as he began to ask his disciples to go out and to minister to other people, he told them this. He said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. These incredible things. Imagine somebody that's sick, how happy they would be to be healed. Somebody that has leprosy, Jesus is saying, go out and touch them. 
Let them know that there's a, a God who wants to set them free. Raise the dead back to life. Cast out demons. Go out and do all these good things. How do we accomplish good things in our life like this? Freely you have received, freely give. Do you see that? The, the reason that, that I am prone to take in my life rather than to give, the reason that selfishness has as much hold on me as it does is that I have not freely received. I, I don't recognize the incredible gift that I have been given by God of life and of all the things that he's given me. I don't appreciate the gift that's in Jesus. And because of that, I'm wanting to take. You know, if... If I were able to give you the super lotto ticket or whatever it is, and you get hundreds of millions of dollars, how hard would it be for me to walk up to you and say, you know, I'm going through a difficult time. Could you give me $1,000? Would you do that if you had hundreds of millions of dollars? You just won some major, major lottery? I know it's hard for you to nod your head because you're saying, I don't play the lottery. Good. I, I'm glad you don't. But would you give Pastor Zach $1,000 if you had hundreds of millions of dollars that you just won? A couple of you are, are good friends of mine. The rest of you, I, I still love you. I still love you, even though you wouldn't give me even $1,000. But how much bigger the gift that we've been given in Christ. And if I realize that I have been given this eternal weight of glory, I can no longer take from people anymore. Because I'm the possessor of incredible riches and that frees me up to give and to give and to give and who do we give to well first of all we give because he first loved us first john 4 19 says that we love because he first loved us and we looked at recently with a copernican shift in the faith of jesus that that we only have faith because of the faith that god has expressed towards us what he sees he can make out of your life we only believe because God believes in us. We only love because he first loved us. We also only give because he first gave to us. We're only able to give because he has given and given and given to us. So how do we give? Uh, who do we give back to? We'll get to that in just a second. But I'm thankful for this school and for how the school has taken on giving. And I wanted to end the, the message today with, with a bunch of practical examples to inspire you because honestly, if we don't walk away with what Jesus has just instructed us, that freely receiving, you should freely give. If that's not what, what the birth of Jesus becomes all about for me, is about giving and giving and giving, becoming like God in character, then I missed the whole point. And I'm so thankful for for. Carmen and Summer and their work at our school. I'm so thankful for our sewing teacher, for Peggy David and for Joy Burquist and what they've done. Some of you saw just this past week that our school was highlighted and it was highlighted for giving. Amen. Jesus says, if you let your, light, let your light shine so that men may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And to you students who are here, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for giving. We want to take some time to show you what's right in our community. Tonight, elementary students in Templeton have been sewing special gifts for the homeless. KSBY's Claudia Busio talked with students and instructors about how they hope to bring a smile to people in need during the holidays. 
This is the workshop where all the magic comes to life. Students at Templeton Hills Adventist School have been making beanies like these. A great opportunity to practice their skills, all while making sure community members in need can stay warm this holiday season. It's a handmade gift from the heart. Homeless don't usually like get anything or like Christmas or anything, so it's like a really big treat for them. That requires hours of hard work. Mostly practice. This project kicked off in early November and these students are sewing like pros. The goal was to make 100 beanies. Well, this is really reinforcing their skills of sewing straight, of um, reinforcing their stitches at the beginning and the end, being able to switch the stitch from a straight stitch to a zigzag. And they reached their goal. Well, I've made a 10 or 11. I have made 20 so far. Some of the emphasis that we have in this class is teaching the kids to serve the community. It's been a group effort. People have donated, donated the police, and so I just cut whatever we have available to use. With the fabric all set to go, these students ages 7 to 11 take the lead. You fold these two corners, put it together like this. And then you put the little head right here. And then you sew all the way down to here. After more folding and stitching, I go through all the threads to see if there's any hangouts, and then I cut those off. The last step is wrapping up the gift. You grab one of these, write your name and your age. If you want, you can write your grade. And then you put it on top of the beanie. Students say this doesn't really feel like a school assignment. It's actually an amazing feeling just to know that someone can wear our beanies and be warm and you feel more safe. Students, parents and teachers will go all together to deliver these handmade hats to residents at the 40 Prado in San Luis Obispo on December 14th. In Templeton, Claudia Busio, KSBY News. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Isn't it incredible? It's an amazing feeling, Tristan said. An amazing feeling to know that somebody's going to wear that beanie that I made. Did you know that Stanford University actually did research recently? They wanted to know what it is that makes people happy. And they wanted to know why that doesn't seem to be tied in with how wealthy somebody is. And they discovered something. They discovered that the more money you have, the happier you can be if you give that money away. They discovered that the more money that you give away in your lifetime, the happier you'll be. They said that even just giving $5 away, they scientifically proven to enhance the way that you feel. Giving makes an incredible difference. However you're doing it, whatever it looks like. And here we have our students who are giving hats to the community. And there's a lot of different ways that we can give to make a difference. And, and who is it that we give to? It's the same people that God gives to. We need to give to those who are without strength, those who are powerless. They're the ones that need us to give to them. We need to give to those who are ungodly, those who don't represent Jesus the way that we expect them to. Those are the people that we need to give to if we want to reflect God's character. We need to give to those who are still sinners, who haven't got their act together yet. We need to give to help reverse the trend in their life. And we need to give to our enemies. I mean, what was it that Paul wrote? He said, when your enemy is thirsty... Give him a drink. Give and give and give, and it will solve the biggest battles in your life. 
I wanted to, to share something else. We had a, a friend of ours that has come here to church today uh, who is also a giver and giving something else that is really valuable. So if I could get one of those microphones there. I'm going to have Mateo and Noemi come up here and share with you about something that they've been doing to give. And I've been inspired as I have seen some, some pictures of them and, and gotten to pray for them. And I'm so thankful, Mateo, that you're willing to take the time to, to share with us this morning about how you give. So, thank you. So, um, Mateo and I um, and my sister and her son and Grace, we go out twice a week. And Mateo started um, going with his cousin and giving out glow. How old were you, Mateo? I was five. And about then he was doing that. And about age uh, seven, we started canvassing. And one of the reasons we started canvassing is because, as a family, we were reading which book? Great Controversy. And as we read it, we just thought, we need to get that out. It has the three angels' message. And so we started taking him and um, giving it out. Now, Mateo, are you nervous when you go to the door? Were you nervous the first time? Yes. Are you still nervous? No. Um, Mateo, what does a canvas look like for you? What do you, what do you say at the door? Well, we have this book that's a great controversy, and we highly recommend this book because it's a great controversy, and it talks about the three angels' messes and how Ellen White wrote it. Wrote it. Now, Mateo, does, do people, does everybody take that book, the majority of people? Um... Yes, but there's sometimes, like when I was canvassing with my friend Seth, that we we were we were canvassing, and and we there was this guy at the door, and Seth told him that we had to give him this book, but and he said no, but I ha- I got the book and said, sir, we have to give you this book. So they know they cannot leave without getting that book in. Um, they pass out about 600 books a month, hand-delivered to people, and it's amazing because people take it, and they're excited, and they say thank you um, for giving that book. And we know that, that we say it's the best, the best gift we have. God's been blessing. Um, and Grace goes, too. She gives out uh, the glow um, at the door. But... Uh, we were gifted that book. Somebody purchased um, 5,000 of those books and gave them to us, and somebody else just recently gave us 3,000 books. And so God has been blessing. So we can give truth to people. We can share uh, Jesus with somebody. That is the greatest gift that we can possibly give to somebody. In fact, here's Gracie sharing, sharing a glow track. I don't know if we have the sound here. Maybe not. Is the sound working? Let's, let's try it again. Or show me what you do with that. Do you give it to people? Say, here you do go. Jesus loves you. Say, Jesus. Jesus loves you. Bye. There's no reason that, that we can't be giving Jesus if little Gracie can be giving Jesus, right? And who wouldn't want to receive Jesus from that sweet little girl? You know, the, just this past, um, yeah, actually just yesterday, we were opening the mail. And uh, actually, before I get to that, 
So last year, do you remember that um, we placed under our tree at home, we placed a, a little jar that has money in it. And every night, Leah gets us together and we celebrate, we have a Jesus celebration. And we have little nativities where we remind ourselves about the birth of Jesus. We tell the story about the birth of Jesus. And at the end of that, we sing happy birthday to Jesus. And the little girls bring... Uh, and they get to put dollars into this jar. And at the end of last year, we began a sponsorship for Charlie. This is Charlie. I'd like to introduce you to him. He's a, a feed and read student for Adventist Southeast Asia Projects in Thailand. Before getting to go to this school in Thailand, the school that he went to, I believe it was in Cambodia, they would beat him at school. But now he gets to go to a different school where he gets a meal and he gets to learn about Jesus. What an incredible gift for our little girls to be able to do that. And every night to learn that that's what we do. We give a gift to Jesus. I just want to give you some practical ideas because I don't want you to walk out of here and say, that's great, Jesus has given us so many amazing gifts. Freely you have received, freely give. What are some practical things you could do to give back having been given so much by Jesus. And just yesterday, we opened the mail, and there was these pictures of goats in there. And the girl said, what are those goats for? And Leah read the card that came from Aunt Kim. And Aunt Kim said, I have given you this Christmas a goat. (laughs) I have donated $40 to go and buy a goat. I believe it's through Adra. And in fact, she's done a whole herd of goats because she did this for a bunch of the family. And these Goats go and they're able to make milk and cheese. They're able to produce an economy in a village that didn't have this type of opportunity. But the other, uh, the other evening, it was December 1, I walked upstairs and as I got up into our room, Leah was there on the bed and she was feverishly working on something. She had these little white pieces of paper and she was writing stuff down on them. I said, what are you doing? She said, well, I, I'm, I'm doing some research. I said, That's great. What are, you, what are you writing down on those cards? She said, I want for our girls to be able to pull one of these out of this little jar every single day for the next 25 days. You've heard of like Advent calendars or those kind of things where you open something once every single day. Well, every morning at breakfast now we go and one of the girls gets to choose out one of these cards. As they open up the card, it'll tell them the first day it said, you get two when you're going to the store, when you're going somewhere, pick up three pieces of trash. That's, that's a gift, to give cleanliness to our community, to pick up trash for the community. Yesterday's was for somebody specific to receive a gift and to go to the store to buy the gift. And, and as they came home, I took a picture of them after they had wrapped their gifts and after they had put that card there. Do you see the joy on these little girls' faces? They're learning to give. I want to be a giver. I want to reflect the character of the God who always gives good gifts, who never changes, who, who we don't have to ever expect that he'll take anything from us. In the end, he will give and give and give and give. That's what is represented on the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ assures us that God is more concerned about you than himself, and he gave his very life on the cross for you. So what more won't he give? So as you go from here, I want to invite you to live lives of radical giving 
after you absorb day by day the fact of what he's given to you. Ask God to help that to sink in more deeply. Open your Bible and say, God, I've got to understand this gift that you've given to me. I'm going to be exalted with Jesus throughout eternity. This is going to be the place where God rules throughout eternity. Help me to understand this incredible gift that you've given to humanity. Help me to understand Emmanuel, God with us. And then help that to bear fruit. Give me practical ideas of who I can give back to out of the abundance of the grace that you have given me. And maybe that's going to lead you to, to be sharing bits of truth with people. We've got glow tracks out there. We'll give you the glow tracks. Take them out and share good news with people. Maybe it will lead you to take some time to do something for somebody. You know, There are lots of people who need help with things that I can't do for them. If there's somebody with a leaky roof, I don't know how to fix leaky roofs, but I bet that there are some of you here who do. If there's somebody out there with a car that's broken down, I've watched as some of you have taken time out of your schedule to go and to fix the car. There's others of you that know how to teach. There's others of you that that know how to to heal people, that that know how to do physical therapy, and that, that are opening your homes for that keep on giving because this is the character of God. We can give financially, and this is an incredibly important thing, but don't stop there. Don't stop with giving as much as you can financially. Do that because it makes a huge difference, but then give of your time. Give of of your talents. Give of every resource that you have because Jesus has invited us to take up our cross and to follow him, and the cross is about giving. I invite you just to bow your heads with me. As we close in prayer, just to have a moment between you and God. Thank him for the indescribable gift that he has given you in Jesus. And Father, we pray that you'd help us to absorb that gift more, to to contemplate it more fully, to understand more deeply that that you are a giver, that that there's no shadow of turning in what you do, but that you're always giving. And Father, I ask that we would give because you first gave to us. Father, I thank you for this group of people who I have seen give time and time again, and I've seen it make a difference. And Father, I pray that, that you would expand our capacity for giving as we expand in our understanding of your gifts to us. And just, just take a moment and ask God, maybe, maybe there's something specific that he wants you to do during this month to be able to focus on giving. And Father, may it not just be this month. But may it be every day for the rest of our lives until we see Jesus coming in the clouds to give to everyone according to their works. Thank you. Thank you for the gift of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you that that though we separated ourselves from you, that you determined to bridge every bit of that gap in Christ. That we can know that God is with humanity forever. May we accept that gift and may it lead us to turn from the sin that separates us from God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.